Beyond the Diagnosis podcast, where we strive to bring you useful and timely information to inspire and encourage you on your journey with histiocytosis. This is episode 002, A Glimpse into the Histiocytosis Association. second episode of the podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Deanna Fournier, the executive director of the Histiocytosis Association. We had a great conversation about Deanna's personal history with histiocytosis, what brought her here to this point where she's now the ED of the organization, and then some awesome insight into what the association has planned for the near and not too distant future. I think you'll really enjoy this glimpse, this little snapshot into a bit of the inner workings of the association. So with that, let's dive right in. Welcome to our Histio community. We are excited to have you listening with us here today. We have a very special guest here today. We have Deanna Fournier, who's the new executive director of the Histiocytosis Association. And um, I thought it would be great to bring her on and just learn a little bit more about her and about what, um, how she kind of got to this point. Um, and kind of what her vision is for the future. So welcome, Deanna. Thank you so much, Kathy. I'm really thrilled to be here and really excited about the podcast. So thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, you're welcome. I think that this is a perfect way to start it off. So let's just, um, let's just dive right in. Why don't you start off by kind of telling us a little bit about your histio story and kind of what brought you to this point so far? Absolutely. So I'm not sure if everyone in the community knows that I was diagnosed with LCH at the age of six, which is why I'm so involved in the association. I remember when I was that age, I was very active and, um, you know, never really thought there would be anything that would take me out of that wild (laughs) childhood uh, behavior, you know, running around, playing, doing everything. And I distinctly remember that I had this pain in my back and didn't really know anything was wrong. Um, my mom took me to the pediatrician and really what, what I think was most interesting and I, I feel a lot of people um, who experience a rare disease can probably understand this is that a lot of times they, they think you, you look fine, so you're fine. You're probably making this up. There's probably nothing really wrong. And so it really took a lot of me telling my mom, no, I'm really in pain for us to um, get the doctors to believe us. You know, my mom had to really fight for them to understand that this wasn't me just trying to get out of school or any of those things. But we did encounter quite a few weeks, I would say, maybe even maybe even a month or two of that kind of going back and forth with the doctors and them trying to say there was really nothing to nothing to, to pay attention to. But I remember um, you know, we were told that I had an orphan disease. Um, there was very little known about it. The way that we found out was because of the pain, they took me to the ER and they had done some MRIs and noticed that there was something abnormal on my spine. We had to do a biopsy in order to see that it was a tumor. And then the biopsy results came back as histiocytosis. And we didn't really know what an orphan disease meant. We didn't really know anything about histiocytosis and neither really did my pediatrician or the, the physicians that we were working with. Mm. Um, we didn't know it's at etiology. We didn't know the course of treatment. We didn't really understand what the prognosis meant. All we knew was that white blood cells multiplied and they started to attack my body, formed together, secreting hormones, ate away at a lower vertebrae and it caused that vertebrae to collapse and also eroded a, a bone in my upper eyelid. And that's, that's all we knew. So, you know, we were told that basically we, what they wanted to do was um, chemo or spinal fusion. And, you know, I know early diagnosis is so critical for any disorder and, you know, having gone gone through this and and understanding the diagnosis fairly early on, it was easy to say, okay, great. Well, that's the treatment that you would, that you would do. That makes sense. And that's what they're recommending. Something didn't feel right. And my mom had actually prior to me ever being sick, read an article in Family Circle that Jeff Tohill had written about his journey with Bethany. 
And so histiocytosis stuck out in her mind. And I always think this is so interesting. And we'll talk maybe more about this later, but part of my whole um, you know, reason for feeling such a connection to the association too. But she went to the library and back then going through the microfiche, trying to scroll through the articles, finding this particular article in Family Circle, she finally did. She was able to find the name of the association and called Jeff and he answered and had a conversation with her and actually told her about um, a doctor at Yale who was part of the Histiocyte Society and recommended that she contact this physician and just have a conversation. So she did. And I think that the doctor was actually on her way to a society meeting and so couldn't, couldn't do anything from a treatment perspective, but called the the head of uh, pediatric oncology at the um, local hospital and advised him on the most current course of treatment for LSDH. And so um, because of that interaction, we were able to instead do a combination of chemotherapy and steroids. And then I wore a back brace for several months and never needed to do the spinal fusion and um, whatever was going on with my eyelid just sort of cleared up on its own. And, you know, I think it's just really interesting after all of these years, there've been a few things where I thought, hmm, is that oddity because of histiocytosis, but never really had anything that we could connect back. I went for several years doing scans a couple times a year. And, you know, since the treatment had, um, you no longer had active disease. So I feel very fortunate. Um, I think, you know, very, very lucky in, in the sense that this was maybe a simpler case of histiocytosis to treat. And very fortunate that I haven't had any um, longstanding challenges from it. But, um, you know, as an act of gratitude, I, I always felt very connected to the association that um, there really was a home for me there. And the fact that Jeff and that doctor at Yale really changed the course of my life and allowed me to continue to be super active. And, um, you know, I see saved my life. So that's really my experience with, with Hisio. And I appreciate him of the opportunity to be able to share that with the community too, and to hear everyone's stories as well. Yeah, that, that was very serendipitous that your mom had seen that article and then kind of knew to look back for that. Um, that's an incredible part of the, that story, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. And, you know, one of those things that you always think, you know, is this sort of meant to have happened in some way? Um, right. You know, we'll never know, but it's just really interesting to think about those things. But um, yeah, I remember she talks about that a lot, just ferociously trying to find that contact information. And then when she did, how powerful it was to make that connection. And that's something that I know we still try to do every single day today is just be there to answer the phone and to for the community to know that there are, there's a small team behind the website that really wants to engage and have that, that dialogue because it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it was definitely a very different world back then without being able to just jump on the internet and, you know, search family circle articles and right. things like that. So why well, she, uh, she really, she really persevered. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. So when um, you heard about this, this job becoming open, what was it about you that stood out about it that made you want to take on this position in this work? You know, there are some things in life that just set us on fire. Um, you know, I often hear it referenced that thing that bothers you the most or that thing that you're always thinking about. That's that's your thing. That's what you should do. And that's where your passion lives. And, you know, I thought about the association and the community my entire life. When, when I was young, you know, one of the things that we had done to try to get involved in, and give back was created a pen pal club with the association team. And the idea behind that was to have families be able to communicate with one another and to connect because then there was really no social media. I don't really think email was very popular or used very frequently. And so that was one way that we saw to be able to connect and to give back. And throughout the years, I participated in events, the Histio hike in Shenandoah, I, I hiked there. Um, you know, I was involved in several other events, uh, just volunteering time. I think I did QA for the website also at one point. So I was always very invested. And I think always probably if you were to ask the team, I was the annoying volunteer who kept saying yeah. anything else. If there's more I could do, please. And I think that was that that thing that that passion inside me that I was always 
feeling like I could never do enough because I saw that the association had done so much for me personally. And, you know, I, I think you know, anytime a volunteer helps, it's very helpful, but there's always probably that, that nagging urge to want to give back more. And so the, the position with the association was something I sort of had, I, I don't want to say dreamt about this opportunity, but in a way, yes, I had always really wanted to find a way to take my skill set and my passion and bring that to the association. I just didn't know how. And this was one of those opportunities where, you know, I thought, well, my background's in education and medicine and business development. And, you know, I've had experience running teams and experience in HR. I've never really worked in a nonprofit, but I think all the things that I have done would, would likely fit well here and also my passion for the community and my desire to just be there for those families because I understand it and I know that the team works so hard I remember all those those times you know, it, being on the board of trustees and really getting to know the work that goes on at the association you know it's it's amazing to see how much is done so the more I learned about the team and about the association too as I got older the more I really wanted to be a part of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it really was like a dream come true. And when, when this position opened up and you were able to like put those, put those, your skill set to use here and really um, give your own contribution to watch the, the association grow and kind of bring us to the next level and into the, you know, the next generation. So that's, that's really cool. So you've been here now just over a year. Yeah. What what have you found to be? It was a fast year. It was a fast year. <laughs> slowest year ever with uh, with COVID. You came in at a very interesting time, right before COVID. Yeah. Um, how would you say that that kind of um, framed the work that you did? And you know, it's do, can you think of something that is like the best and the worst thing about this past year and your your work here? Yeah, I mean, look, COVID, COVID was interesting for us all. Um, it was very interesting, I think, for the team because Jeff had announced his retirement, but he was going to be staying on all of 2020 and working with me. And I started on February 17th, and I think March 13th was the day that we were told in New Jersey to everyone go home, <laughs> stay home, and it'll be just a couple of weeks and we'll be right back in action. And obviously we all know that prolonged itself you know, to today's skill. And I think you know, just getting to know the team, just getting to understand the work that, that is done day to day, but having to then shift and do that remotely was definitely um, interesting for us all, but I think it brought us closer together. It allowed us to engage more, and we were all asking more questions, trying to figure out how to connect in different ways, and then trying to think about all of the plans we had for the year of the events that typically take place, regional meetings that we would go and meet families in their home state and bring physicians around uh, for the conversations as well. All of those things had to shift. Our fundraisers that were in person had to shift to virtual. And so we all had to sort of start over. And in some way, I think when you're in a place of transition, it may have been a blessing in disguise that we all had to be in transition and learn together. Um, so, you know, we just grew together last year. And I think that was really powerful for us. And we just thought, you know, our North Star is what, what matters most for patients and families, what's going to help them the most and whatever that thing is, let's do that. And so that's really where we focused. You know, and I think, you know, I, I can't even consider this as, as work necessarily. I think that this is a gift that we've all been given an opportunity to, to engage with the community in this way. And so, you know, I, I won't say that it's, it's easy, but there's nothing about it that I don't love. And with all nonprofit organizations, our lens is to be focused on the community. And so everything that we do is to support our mission and vision to support the community and so I think as long as we, we continue to do that, we're on the right track. Um, you know, there's a lot that we want to do that we're not doing yet. And that involves carving out and shifting priorities, but somehow we make 
a lot happen. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, you know, just in, in your role um, with the organization, it, there's so much that, that we do and so much that we support. And so being able to share that with the community is very powerful too. So we, we did a lot of, of that looking internally at what we do while I was learning about it and then trying to understand, okay, there's something that I didn't know coming into the organization. How do we share that out to the community? Because if I didn't know necessarily how much went there, then likely we're not sharing enough of that. So we, we tried to do more of that, more education, more awareness, more connecting, and just showing the community that we were there for them. Um, so you know, I would say that's sort of where the last year really, really led us. I have a lot of exciting projects that we're working on, the podcast being one of them, um, just trying to find ways to do more of that communication and connection with the community in, in different avenues and different channels. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. There definitely has been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. And, you know, it's, um, it's always interesting when you're already <clears throat> doing so much, but then, you know, this big curveball is thrown in. So now you're trying to maintain everything that you've done before, and, you know, still look ahead to the future and find out what those new things are that you want to do. But then there's this crazy big thing over on the side that you're trying to get through. And, and, you know, that was something that like the whole, the whole world had to deal with. And, you know, we all have our different ways of dealing with things like this, just even on a personal level and all the things that needed to happen. So I think it's amazing that the association was able to keep up with everything that they were doing and, and pivot in such a, what I think is a successful way. So that was, um, that, that just speaks to your great leadership. So. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you. you and and too, you know, just really coming together and, um, you, everyone's, everyone's passion really shows, um, every single day. And I think in a crisis like last year, you know, that just amplified. And so it was really powerful to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the staff a little bit. Let's, let's talk about the different positions that we have on staff and, and what they do, what kind of roles they fill for the community. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll talk about uh, the rest of the team and then maybe you can share what, what your role is specifically since you're so close to it. It'd be great to, to hear it from your lens. Sure. Um, but we have, so we have a team of seven, including myself and then Jeff Towhill, our founder, still um, volunteers with us, but we will always consider him a member of the team. Um, and so our roles are really um I would say robust because there's so much that we have to do with a small team and everything that everyone does goes right into our mission. So everyone on the team has sort of multiple hats that they wear. And also um, we work together a lot on a lot of different projects. So that way we can make sure that we're truly being supportive of, of every angle that we can. So Kristen is the director of uh, fundraising and community relations. And so her, her role really is to take some of the, the large fundraisers that we have where the, um, the, the funds that we raise might be over you know $100,000 or more and to help manage those and get them, get them running smoothly, all the logistics that go into them. And then also she um, spends most of her time really focused on the community and how she can out, do some outreach to that community, um, whether that's by hosting regional meetings, whether that's reaching out to the physicians that are in our directory and updating the information on a regular basis. She works very closely with other medical professionals too, to figure out what we might be able to do to support them. So for example, we have care bags that we um, had created and those were, were helped and partnered by a pharmaceutical company, Sobe. And so we had to put those together and they have information about Histio and some really cool stuff inside. And one of Kristen's goals is to get those into the hospitals is to connect with the child life specialists and the social workers and to make sure they have those on hand. So when someone's diagnosed, they can have this, this care bag and realize that they're not alone when they're diagnosed with, with this rare condition. So 
um, a lot of really amazing, powerful things done there. She also is launching an ambassador program, which would give um, people around the United States and maybe at some point around the world an opportunity to have someone they can go to an ambassador for their local area and to have um, some one-on-one -on -one connection and to learn and grow together, whether newly diagnosed or years down the line. Um, there's a lot that she does. She hosts our webinars uh, and often partners with other family groups as well. So a lot that she takes on. And then Heather is our Director of Operations and Communications. So Heather is all external press release uh, communications. She um, helps create emails that are sent out. She updates the content on our website. She manages and oversees our social media. And um, she also does a lot from an operations perspective. She's sort of our uh, tech guru and helping with all things IT and technology across the organization. She's helped us shift from doing things in Google to SharePoint, which is more secure. Um, she also used to manage our grants process, which I know is something that you're going to be working with her on, Kathy, and um, you know, in your role working with the society. But Heather had a, um, a big part in that in the past. And then from a real operations perspective, strategy focus, she helps me with a lot of strategic planning. So coming up with processes for that, facilitating strategic planning meetings, keeping the team on, on goal, um, and really helping to facilitate those conversations with me. So, um, you know, as you can see, we're only two people in and so much is done. <laughs> Um, Erica is our database coordinator, and Erica um, takes all of our new contacts that register on our website and gets them into our system. Um, that helps to trigger any automated emails. It also gives us an opportunity to reach out and see what we can do to help support those patients. So Erica will compile information based on the disease of interest. So if somebody is looking for information about LCH and they mention that they're a parent, she can compile specific information for that person and then mail that to them. Or if they prefer it paperless, we can email that as well. And she's always on the lookout for additional things she can put in to that new contact packet. If it's a physician, um, I know she connects them with the Histiocyte Society and sends information about that. Um, regardless, she passes that to, to me and we do some outreach. We'll email, we'll call, we'll try to have a conversation to see if we can help. Um, Erica also does a lot of other things with the database. Um, she really works closely with Danielle, who is our chief financial officer, to put all the donations that come in and to make sure that we acknowledge them. She sends receipts to um, our donors and make sure that we send a thank you as well. And then she works with Danielle to reconcile and make sure that that information is accurate. And then she's always going in and doing different cleanups in the, in the database, updating contact information. And I'm sure I'm leaving a lot of things that she does out, but she's very collaborative with different parts of our team, helping us to look and analyze information in that database so that we can understand what is our community made up of? And what I mean by that is how many patients, family members do we have? Are there um, disease areas that are growing in, in numbers that we can try to support more of through a webinar? And so she's very um, good at helping us kind of distill that information. And then she works with Danielle, who is our chief financial officer, and um, Danielle manages all of our financials. Um, she works on our audit. She makes sure we have um, all the information up on our website for transparency. Um, she works closely with our board of trustees and um, presents budgets and balance sheets and all of that stuff. So that way we can make sure that we are, are on track to hit any goals that we might have. And really our goals come from being able to support our programs and being able to fund research. And so um, she's always helping us look at that information and find ways to either save find places where we can infuse money into a program. One great example of that is recently, we were able to um, take a bill we had been paying for something and remove that completely because we didn't need to use it anymore. And she helped us infuse that instead into our scholarship program. So anytime we can shift money into our program, she's always looking for that. And so there's a lot of um, collaboration that happens with, with the team in that aspect as well. Learn more about the amazing staff and the future vision for the Histiocytosis Association coming up after this short break.
Looking for a great way to get some exercise and do some good in the world? Then join us for Histio Hike Shenandoah 2021. Go to histiohikeshenandoah.org to register for this year's virtual hike on May 1st. This is our 12th year for the hike, and due to COVID, we are hiking virtually this year. When you register, you will receive our 2021 hike t-shirt, a personalized fundraising page, and links to private listen and learn and awards events with your fellow Histio hikers. We hope you will join us as a hiker or consider donating. Again, the website is histiohikeshenandoah.org. We hope you join us. Welcome back to our interview with Deanna Fournier, Executive Director of the Histiocytosis Association. In part two, we'll learn about the rest of the roles that are filled at the association, as well as the future vision for the organization in the coming weeks and years. And Katie is our special events and fundraising associate. And so she works with the community for all things fundraisers um, and works very closely with Kristen on the larger fundraisers as well. So um, she's helping them whenever we have a 5K or a hike or a trivia night or someone wants to do a Team Histio event or um, wants to put up a page in tribute or in honor of, or in memory of somebody. She helps everyone set those things up. And she also works very closely on social media and some communications and things like that. So um, everyone's very cross-functional and has a really, really important role to play. And I'm just skimming the surface. There's so much more that we do. Um, but, but Kathy, tell us a little bit about your role um, with the Histiocyte Society and all the other things that you do. Yeah, so um, my primary role is working with the Histiocyte Society. And for over 30 years, the um, the association has acted voluntarily as the um, secretariat for the Histiocyte Society. And it's really a beautiful partnership where um, we basically take care of all of their um, administrative work so that they can focus on the science. So we kind of, um, we we take care of their their meetings, their their board meetings, their um, individual committee meetings. We take care of their their dues cycle and make sure that dues are paid, um, or we keep bugging them, keep poking them for <laughs> for um, for dues payments. Um, we take care of their their website and um, make sure that everything on there is updated. That um, there's also a member portal on the website where members can log in and find information that that's um, relevant just to them, like our bylaws and different um, standard operating procedures and things like that. So I keep all of that updated for them. Um, I work directly with the, the executive board to, and I sit in on their meetings and help them um, strategically and administratively. Um, and probably the most exciting part of my job is, is getting to plan and, and execute the annual meeting in normal times um, when we're able to travel. Um, the meeting does go all over the world because they try to make it as accessible to as many people as possible. So the, the meeting moves. Um, it moves continents, it moves cities in order to, to make it easy. Of course, our, um, we have a couple of members in Australia that everything is difficult for them to get to, but um, they're still faithful in coming. But um, that, is, that is one of the, the, the most fun parts of my job. I love that. I love being able to um, visit other countries and, and see other cultures. And um, most importantly, to be able to work so closely with the doctors we have in those countries that are kind of hosting um, the meeting. So it's, it's um, really fun to get to know them on a deeper level and to kind of learn their own stories and where they came from and why they chose Histio to study. But um, it's an amazing group of, of people that are, um, if there's one thing I would want the community to know, it's that these doctors are dedicated and um, they they want nothing more than to find a cure for these diseases. And um, they've they've always been, you know, the, like I said, the partnership with the association has been so close and so longstanding. It's um, it's really awesome to see how how willing the doctors are to participate with us at the association on the association side to to work on those webinars and to give up of their time to um, 
attend regional meetings and answer the the uh, the community's questions and all of that. So um, we we tap into them often. They are they're quite a resource for us. But um, it is one of the things that is just um, really beautiful about this community and about these organizations, just the way that they come together to make sure the community has what they need. And we still we still have a long way to go. But I think that. Um, especially now, like you were saying earlier, COVID in some ways has been a blessing in disguise. I think that um, it has been in this case as well, because we're all learning how much we actually can do mm -hmm. remotely. And so um, it's, it's really great to work with them. I'm, I'm hoping to get uh, Michael Jordan, the president of the society on our podcast, so we can talk to him about kind of his vision for, for the, uh, for the society and where they're going and what we're going to be doing. But um, so that's the, the society side. And then on the association side, I have a, a few responsibilities as well. One of them being this podcast, it was an idea that we came up with that we thought would be a great way to, um, to be able to share with the community in a, in a, on a different medium than what they're used to. So that's one thing. And then, as you mentioned, I'm gonna be taking over the uh, association grants program. So um, as research grants come in, I'll be kind of collecting those and going through those and making sure that they are sent off to the scientific committee of the Histiocyte Society to give their initial review and then um, keeping up on reports and all of that. So I, I don't know what I don't know yet. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be a lot. But um, I think that working with the doctors so closely over these years, um, I've been with the association and society since 2008. So it's been a long time. Um, it, it's going to be um, it's going to be great to have this this extra connection with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that the um, you know, the important part about the, the grants program beyond the fact that we were funding research is also when they provide reports on what they've learned and, and what that means for histiocytosis. And there's been some amazing accomplishments that have happened throughout the years, some really, really important advancements and findings that have directed treatments or you know, outcomes of patients, allowed us to identify genetic mutations that can say, do this or this instead of this for treatment and you'll have a better outcome. So it's a really important program. And thank you so much for all your support of the Histiocyte Society. They are incredible. I, I agree. It's such a beautiful part of it as a, a former patient to see the dedication of these physicians who do treat other, other um, you know, conditions and other diseases and other, you know, other types of, of um, illness but they're still so passionate about histiocytosis and they carve out that time. And it's just really powerful. And we have three members on our board of trustees that are scientific uh, and medical community members. And I know they're a part of the society as well. And I mean, it's just really powerful to see how involved they are. So um, I'm sure it's just very rewarding for you to be a big part of that and for all that you do to support what they do. It, it definitely is. It definitely is. And um, I just, I, I love um, almost being a fly on the wall at the society meetings sometimes, um, especially in the hallways during break times where, um, you know, after you've been sitting for a couple hours, you might want to just kind of, you know, stand and stretch your legs and just kind of um, shoot the breeze with someone, but that's not what's happening. I mean, sometimes it is, of course, but most of the time what's happening is these doctors are talking with each other about the research that one another is doing and, and how they can collaborate and how they can push this disease further. So it's like when they're at the society meeting, that's all they're focused on is how they can, how they can progress, how we can get further faster. So really, really exciting. So let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the initiatives for the, the association and um, what, what the community maybe can expect to see in these the months and weeks coming up. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, we really were focused last year on how do we how do we show up for the community in different ways. And I know that online information has become so important. I think anytime anyone asks a question, and you don't know the answer. The first thing you do is Google it. And so we want to make sure that we're there as soon as you need to Google information. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about how we kind of go beyond that into the medical community and what we're what we're trying to do there. 
but um, some things you can keep your eyes out for is we are going to be launching a brand new website, um, new look and feel, and there's just so much more that we can do with it. This is this is something that the team had been really craving to do, and we were able to make that happen last year, kind of another blessing of, of COVID time where we would have been out with the community um, and, and engaging in that way. Instead, because virtual engagements like the webinars and the trivia nights and the virtual events require less, less travel and a little less logistics, we took that time and instead we put that into um, revitalizing our website. We um, are having all the disease information updated by members of our Histiocyte Society. And what the website will do is um, take the information that's there because there's so much, but put it into a format that's much easier for you to find and also put it into what we're calling essentially a, an online journey. So whether you're newly diagnosed or a current patient or caregiver or a physician researcher, we want to make sure that the website directs you to the place that you need to go for the information that's most important. And so that's really what we tried to do and then coming out of that, we're going to be working on uh, something we're calling HISTIOU. And I know that this podcast is a part of that. We're also developing resources, whether that's takeaways that you can bring to your doctor, questions that you should be thinking about, um, specific education, short bite-sized learning on different topics, um, really just trying to take the website and turn it into an education portal as well. Um, we definitely are going to continue to have events and we're going to be collaborating more with medical institutions for education and awareness. Um, you know, there are things like medical grand rounds that happen within institutions. And we have some members of the medical community who want to host those. And that helps raise awareness because um, you might have a nurse or um, someone who works in a different field inside the hospital join those grand rounds and all of a sudden is aware of histiocytosis and what to look for, which helps with early diagnosis. And also awareness in the ER, someone comes in with, um, you know, who already has been diagnosed with histiocytosis, but is having some sort of complication, they're going to be more familiar with what to do. Um, we also will be working on a webinar, and this is really exciting. The um, National Comprehensive Cancer Network, NCCN, just published clinical guidelines for LCH Rosei Dorfman disease and Erdheim Chester's disease for adults. And this is so ex exciting because it puts histiocytosis um, in the classification of histiocytic neoplasms. And that means that we're classified as a rare cancer. And so these clinical guidelines are available for patients, family members, physicians to download and have on hand. And it tells you what to look for. It tells you um, some ideas of treatment, what's, what's, what's going on, what's sort of um, working. And then also we'll talk about survivorship in a way of things to look for as you progress through your life after a diagnosis and things to be to be conscious of, follow-up protocols, all these really important things for physicians. So we'll be hosting a webinar on that and then thinking about how we translate that more for the medical community to know that it's available and not just in the U.S., but around the world. Um, even though this is U.S. specific, uh, even though this is U.S. specific, um, we can definitely say that a lot of countries rely on these just as a reference. And so it's something we want to make sure that we partner with different family groups around the world, partner with the society to share that out. Um, and another area we're really focused on is advocacy. And we're involved in several working groups, rare disease, and plan to petition um, our state and national representatives on very important issues, including early diagnosis and access to treatment. So those are some really important areas that we're focusing on this early this year, and then still a lot more to come as we um, progress through 2021. A lot of exciting things. I think that um, we're, we're really um, looking to and succeeding at providing just a ton of value to the community. And um, like you said, just kind of bite-sized, easy to, easy to digest, um, information, education, and resources. So I think it's an, it's an exciting time for the association for sure. Yeah, it feels that way. Lots of good energy. Yeah, yeah. So where, where do you see, as a leader of this organization, where do you see it going in, in the future? Like in one or three or five years, what, what is your vision? 
Yeah. I mean, look, the, the ultimate vision is to have a world where histiocytosis has curative treatments and that, you know, obviously we would still continue to focus on research and making those treatments better, but we could shift even more towards patient focused resources. But um, how long that takes to get there really is this unknown factor, but we are taking leaps forward. And so I think that's the ultimate vision, not sort of my personal sort of five to seven year hope is that that's, that's where we are. And I think the, the pace at which advancement is happening is very promising that we will get there a lot faster than it might feel. Even looking back where, where we were 20 years ago is you know, nowhere near where we are today. We are so far ahead in what we know about histiocytosis. The fact that we have clinical guidelines published for three of these um, histiocytic disorders, I mean, there's a lot that is going on. And these physicians, these researchers, they're so invested that I feel like we're just going to sort of ride on the wave of, of what's happening from an advancement perspective. And so um, I'll, I'll put that off in its own category because I think that's happening. That's happening. <laughs> we're, we're really going in some really important directions and pharmaceutical companies are paying attention and they're trying to develop drugs. So it, there's a lot that's going on in that avenue and something we definitely should continue to talk more about. From an association perspective, I know we're trying to expand our programs. We have an ambassador program and a scholarship program that we're really trying to, um, to improve upon and to grow and create more opportunity to support the community there. And we're trying to redefine our resources so that no matter where you are in the world, you have access to that latest information, while also ensuring that you know that there's still this the team behind what you see on the screens when you're Googling and that we want to talk to you. And so just finding more ways to whether I, one of the things we're looking at is chat on our website where we could be monitoring that and you could chat directly with a member of our team if you don't have time to call and then we can set up time to, to talk to you. We just want you to know that we're there because that's the most important part of what we do is, is to be there to answer those questions and be a resource, not just to provide the information, but to provide provide that, that, that sense of family because you can feel very alone when you're diagnosed with a rare disease. Um, we're working on our global collaborative effort. We're partnering more with family groups around the world. And we have a, a big focus on figuring out how we work together to support one another, to, to share resources and to collaborate for the, the, the world. Um, and so that's something that we're really, really focused on this year and would love to see in you know, one year that we're a more formal collaborative network and in several years that we're partnering closely together as a, a cohesive group with the Histiocyte Society and trying to understand where research is going and how we partner together to, to support that in some, some way. And so that's something that we're, we're talking about. What that looks like, we're still figuring out as I think that's, you know, when anytime you're working internationally, there's so many things to consider, but we're all very focused and passionate about it. And so the fact that we're talking is just really important. And so we're just trying to share resources. We recently did a webinar with um, a family group in Barcelona, Spain, and we hosted a webinar in Spanish. So those types of opportunities that we can engage in and support the community internationally. Um, and also, we really want to try to grow our resources to um, have more available sort of the the dream is like leukemia lymphoma society and all that they have on their website where when you click on it there's financial resources that they provide there's programs that they provide that are supportive from a travel perspective or a financial perspective they have um, you know different members of the com medical community like for example a social worker that you might be able to talk to so these are things that are on our vision map that we would love to to be able to eventually create for the community so that you have these resources. And so these are things where we're exploring the how to's and what does it look like to create those. And so that's that's our, our dream down the line is to be able to grow our resources in that way. And a lot of this is because we do think there are more people being diagnosed with histiocytic disorders because the awareness is there and the education is there and more people are aware of it. And so I think there's a lot more accurate diagnoses. And so we want to be able to grow with that as that continues to happen. 
And we want to make sure that we're supporting the community in every way that we can. So um, we have our, our big vision and then we have our, um, our program vision that we're working towards. Um, and there's so much more that I'm certainly missing, but just the things I can think of off the top of my head, that's really where we're trying to, um, to grow and to focus. Big things to come. It's, uh, it's like I said, it's an exciting time. Lots of, lots of um, exciting things going on where, again, like you mentioned, this global community is coming together to all work on this, you know, at the same time, because our goals are all the same. And even though there may be those intricacies, you know, crossing borders, crossing, you know, continents and countries, um, it's the, the bottom line is that our goal is the same. And so um, it's, it's really great to see everyone coming together to, to work towards our common, our common mission. So it'll be exciting to see how that plays out and unfolds over the next several years. Absolutely. So I, as we kind of get ready to wrap this up, I want to ask you a little bit more of a personal question. Sure. Since you have been um, working with the association, particularly over this last year, what would you say that you have learned about yourself? Ooh, that is a good question. What have I learned about myself? Well, I think I've always known deep down that we can do anything we put our mind to. And I think, you know, as anyone, I'm sure everyone has a challenge that they've overcome that was that was difficult. And when you come on out on the other side of that, you realize how strong you really are. And so for me, the fight with LCH was was that. And so I think I've always known that deep down. And so that's helped coming into this role. But to, to answer your question, what I've learned about myself since this position, I think especially with COVID throwing some extra curveballs in there, I learned that I may not always have the answers and it's very likely that I will get a lot of things wrong and that that's okay. Um, it's the fact that the, this is the most important work that we could be doing to be there for the community and the passion that we all have for that. I feel truly blessed to be able to pour my heart and soul into this, to pour my heart and soul into the community. And so I, I've learned that because of that, we're going to get a lot of things right. And that we just need to trust that we're here for the right reasons and that everything that we do, as long as we are focused on how will this benefit patients and families, how will this help us reach our vision of a world free of histiocytic disorders, and how does this support our mission? If we can, if we can do something and it answers those questions, it checks those boxes, then let's go do that. And it's, I think I've learned that it's, it's good to trust yourself. It's good to trust your passions and your intuition and the things that drive you because you will, you will get where you want to go. And I think it's been really powerful to see over this last year where there was so much uncertainty that because we just trusted our our love for the Histio community. And we trusted that all we wanted to do was to be there. We were able to do that. We were able to be there for the community and in ways that we didn't even know were possible, things we had never done before. And the team had so many creative ideas and we just said, let's take a moonshot. Let's just try that. And somehow it works. And you know that's really, really beautiful. And sure, we stumbled along the way. We had to jump hurdles, of course. But um, it was really awesome to, again, to come out on the other side of that and say, we had to fight this fight, but we did. And we, we, we came through on the other side better for it, stronger for it. And um, it was just really amazing. So um, that's something I think I learned about myself, but also learned about just people in general and what we're capable of. And so that's something that we know that histio patients and families are also doing. And, and we want to know that we're, we want them to know that we're fighting alongside them with that very same passion and that very same fervor. So um, yeah, it was a really, really uh, interesting year and one I think with many silver linings. Very good, very good. Is there, is there anything before we go that you want to say or speak directly to the community? Yeah, I would just say, don't ever give up hope that there's there's so much that um, you can find when you connect with, with people around you. And sometimes it's just giving us a call and and just having a conversation and sharing what, what you're feeling, sharing what you're going through. 
and allowing us an opportunity to maybe connect you with another member of the community who's feeling what you're feeling and can understand that. Um, and to, to have that support is so, so important. And so um, I just encourage you to, to use, use us as a resource because that is really what we're here for is for you. And everything that we do is for you. And so if there's anything that you need, you can always give us a call. You can always email us and we will do everything in our power to get you what you need. Um, if we don't have that or we don't have the answer, we'll try to help you find that. And that's, that's I think, what can help with that hope. So don't ever give up hope. Know that we are here for you and you have an entire medical and scientific community with the Histiocyte Society and doctors who aren't a part of that yet who are very passionate about it. And you have a whole community of patients and families and warriors who want to support you. And then you have uh, an association team and board of trustees that wants to support you. And so just don't give up hope come talk to us, we're here for you. And we will not stop fighting until we find a cure for his deal. That's amazing. Yeah, there is uh, such power in community. And uh, I think that as we all kind of join together, we can get through this just a little bit easier. It doesn't, it doesn't make the fight any easier, but it makes the journey a little easier, I think. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I think that this was really enlightening and I, I hope that um, the community has learned a lot and um, understands a little better what goes on behind behind the scenes and uh, what our vision is and where, where we're hoping to, to take the community in the future. So thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Kathy. This has been a great opportunity to connect and I'm really excited for the podcast series and can't wait to, to listen to the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Diagnosis. I hope you found it valuable and that you were able to learn a couple of things about the association and what we have coming up for you in the future. If you liked this episode, please consider leaving us a review to make the podcast easier for other Histio families to find. Drop us your comments, take a screenshot of the podcast, and tag us on Instagram at histiocytosis underscore association. We are honored that you chose to spend your time with us today, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode of Beyond the Diagnosis. Until then, take good care.